We are live. Joining me during my first live special is my very special guest. Now, you may not know, you know what? You have to know him, actually. I don't even know why I say you don't know him. 23 years. 23 years. Put that in your head. Of covering the New York Knicks straight. I wish we could have gave him more playoff appearances to cover. And Mark, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I'm not the only one that wishes you were still out there today covering the New York Knicks. The always great Mark Berman. Mark, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, my pleasure, Troy. You do a great job. And uh, yeah, the Knicks aren't too far away from where I am now. They're in the South, obviously, in Charleston. I'm in South Florida. But I haven't had the urge to drive the eight hours or so uh, to visit Charleston. But I have great memories of uh, Charleston when the Knicks used to uh, hold training camp at the College of Charleston. This year, uh, they went to the Citadel. But it's a beautiful tourist town right on the water. And uh, any New Yorker should uh, take a little trip there. Absolutely. I think uh, a lot of us would probably like the downtime that you're having right now. Uh, I can't say that uh, I'm uh, envious, but you do seem happy. You seem relaxed. I said last time before, I think Florida loves you. How is retirement life treating you? Do you, do you miss the, the beat at all? Uh, I thought I'd miss it a little more. I, I thought I'd miss maybe the travel and going to the great cities. But when you live in paradise, it, it's hard to, to miss going to Detroit and Cleveland. And yet, you know, I'm doing some stringing for the Palm Beach Post. I went to the Miami Heat training camp uh, yesterday at uh, FAU. They're in Boca Raton. So I still get a taste of, uh, of sports writing. And, you know, I asked Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, I wasn't printing it for my paper, but I asked him about the Villanova Knicks. And he thinks, <laughs> he actually said, I meant to tweet it, actually, I haven't. But he said it's great for the Villanova program to have four guys in New York City. Actually, he said five guys with Macau Bridges in Brooklyn and he, uh, to yeah. be close to the Philadelphia school. So uh, he's probably a little jealous, although he loves Miami. I know a few years back, uh, according to his agent, he, he had eyed the Knicks. And if you remember, the Knicks tried to pull off a trade oh, many yeah. years back and, and failed. Well, I do remember them trading for uh, Andrea Bargnani first and then not being <laughs> right. able to actually make the trade for Lowry. And I remember just shaking my head at that entire situation. Um, but I know we have you for a limited amount of time. I don't want to keep you too long. We're going to get to the chat, guys. I see you guys over there. Shout out to the chat. Chat gang, salute. I know you guys have questions for Mark, but you know what? It's my show. I have a couple of questions for him first, but we'll get to your questions very, very soon. The first question I think I have for you, Mark, is really the Knicks offseason moves. I saw you speaking about Fred Katz in terms of the grades they gave uh, the New York Knicks. What I want to say is, obviously, with the New York Knicks, they signed Dante DiVincenzo, four years, $50 million. Extended Josh Hart, four years, $81 million. And then traded Obi Toppin away to Indiana for two future second-round picks. If you could give the Knicks a grade for their offseason, what grade would you give them? And uh, what do you think of their offseason in general? Uh, I mean, it's a C at best. It's not a B minus like uh, Freddie put. That's very, very generous. The Knicks had some momentum, I thought, coming out of the season, and I thought they would try to improve themselves. I don't think they've improved themselves. I think Obi Toppin is going to get better. 
Right. Uh, Thibodeau just could not find a way to make him work with Randall at starting power forward, unfortunately. Uh, but they got nothing for him. Uh, Dante, I mean, he's an average ball player, better than average ball player, not a difference maker in the playoffs. Injured a lot, too, earlier in his career. Uh, no draft pick. Uh, you know, it's, it's the same bunch. And, you know, Thibodeau's going to get a lot out of them because he treats the regular season, you know, like it's the most important thing while other coaches try to pace themselves. So, right. you know, they could be at best fifth seed, though. I mean, I see them as a five at best, you know, possibly a playing team. They, they didn't do anything uh, uh, substantial. Uh, again, a C uh, rating for me. Uh, I don't know where you get the B from. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you made an OB trade and got some, like a first round pick even, or you did something on draft night and, and got a first round pick and made a pick for the future, there, there's nothing there. I mean, right. there, there was nothing in the offseason of excitement. And I don't think Tom Thibodeau, from someone I spoke to recently, even the Drew Holiday thing, I right. think Tom. I'm pretty sure I'm told that Tom would have liked to see management take a swing at Drew and they did not. Uh, I think Tom would like to see an upgrade and I think management wants to hit a home run and, and they want to make this big trade that's going to make them championship contenders. Well, Tom would like to see them make an upgrade, make an upgrade, no upgrade this offseason. I mean, you know, I look at the Knicks offseason and, you know, I agree with you, Mark. I see Dante DiVincenzo. Yes, I understand what he can do from three, but why are we so small, Mark? Why are we just loaded with guards? We need so much more front court depth. I really felt like we needed another backup power forward. Obviously, we're hearing things about Josh Hart, RJ Barrett, potentially even Jericho Sims potentially playing spot minutes at the backup uh, power forward position. And I feel like when you have to move players out of position to cover a position, you lack depth at that position. Would you agree? It's a great point, Troy. And uh, Obi Toppin uh, leaves, and they didn't replace him at power forward. Talk of Jericho Sims playing at the four as a backup. You know, he may have been the last pick of the draft. He's a very good backup five and spot duty, but to be the permanent backup power forward, He's not a shooter. I know he's taking three-point shots in, in practice. I saw some video. But if you're, you're relying on Jericho Sims to be your backup power forward, you're not a real Eastern Conference contender. And, you know, Thibodeau sees Boston uh, adding players, you know, left and right and making big moves. Yeah. And I think he's a little jealous. Listen, Brad Stevens, I mean, very good coach, great general manager. He's been a, a great general manager. And I think Boston – uh, will wind up in the finals again, uh, despite Dame Lillard's uh, addition. Dame Lillard had uh, a lot of good teams in Portland, and you know they didn't do anything. They absolutely didn't. I feel like I feel like the uh, the talent going with the Milwaukee Bucks in Boston. Obviously, Boston. They're saying Boston has the best roster currently, right? With the uh, with Drew Holiday, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and obviously KP when he's healthy. But you know, speaking of the backup power forward uh, position, let's talk about the person who's going to really command the most minutes there, and that's really Julius Randle. And one of the main things with Randle now is that he left CAA, Mark. And when he did that, a lot of people were actually thinking to themselves, well, he joined WME Sports. That was the, the whole thing. And a lot of people thought he followed his agent there, but his 
agent is Aaron Minson. That wasn't the case. I think his marketing agent was over there, and that's who he actually went to. But he's actually repped by Bill Duffy, somebody new, and who reps um, R.J. Barrett now. To me, and I also talked to Fred Katz about this briefly via uh, Twitter, he thinks it's significant that he left uh, CAA, given that's the only thing he's been repped by since he came into the league. Would you consider him leaving CAA, especially at this point, significant? I really do also. Uh, I think it was underplayed in the media. Uh, you know, to me, I read it as he, it almost distanced himself from the Knicks in some ways. CAA and Leon Rose are still great buddies. Obviously, Leon's son uh, still works for the uh, for CAA. Right. And I'm thinking, like, you know, if Julius wants to trade, and maybe, like, this offseason, who knows? Maybe he talked to Aaron about, you know, possibly, you know, he's tired of getting criticized in the playoffs. Uh, and the guy, I don't think he gets a fair shake in New York. He's made the All-NBA two of the last three years. And in the playoffs, you know, he's playing hurt. And people are still ripping him. And I thought in that first game against Miami, he had that key offensive rebound that should have been written about more that won the game. So, uh, you know, maybe he had a conversation with Aaron and said, you know, I might be tired of New York City. And, you know, maybe I should start looking, you know, you should start looking for a trade. Well, Aaron and Leon Rose are best buddies. Aaron doesn't want to hurt the Knicks. CAA is very is too close to the Knicks and maybe Julius needs to step back away from CAA and have a fresher representation like Bill Duffy and I wonder if Bill like RJ made an interesting comment the other day he said all I've known in the NBA is playing with Julius Randle right. and he kind of chuckled and like I didn't know how to read it it almost and he said that's crazy but I almost felt like maybe RJ would like a chance to play on an NBA team that didn't have Julius Randle. They're very similar, the left-handedness. The right. fact neither are great three-point shooters. I never thought they had great chemistry. It almost seemed when RJ was playing great, Julius wasn't having a very good game yes. and vice versa. So maybe Bill will see what he could do and have these two left-handers be on uh, different teams if things don't go great at, uh, this season. So maybe next summer you know, Bill gets to control the Knicks' future and not CAA. That, I think, would be a, a big thing for a lot of Knicks fans. I speak to the uh, Knicks' Twitter, as you will, probably daily. And a lot of the read for Randall, a lot of the time, is that the Knicks want the equal value back if, if any type of trade for Randall. The problem is there's not going to be that equal type of trade. There really never is. Somebody, Some teams are usually going to get ahead versus the other. However, with Randall, like you said, he puts up the numbers that are really all-star level, all-NBA level, right? He's he's made it twice now. But the the league, if you read the, the trade market for him, it doesn't seem as, as high. Why do you think that is? It's a great point. It's every, even Knicks fans say, oh, we should trade Julius. I, it, I think that his body language is disturbing uh, during some games and he gets on the referees and that's why this uh training camp has been a revelation where julius was talking about channeling bruce lee right. and to to figure out how he's able to uh you know his personality of letting things you know go off his back and not bother him and he mentioned the media having to deal with the media 
and right. taking a Bruce Lee approach. So I think he's trying to change, but I think he's there's just a lot of things going on in his head. If he's trying to, you know, watch Bruce Lee movies and study <laughs> Bruce Lee, I mean, I, I think you may be overthinking it, but it just shows that he realizes that the mental game is so important playing in New York and maybe he's tired of it. And that's why I want, I, I do really wonder, especially after the CAA change, if after this season, if the Knicks, you know, are bounced out in the first round or in a play play in situation, if maybe he looks, uh, you know, for another uh, team. The other thing to talk about as well, Tuka, we're talking about Julius Randle, but recently what came up in reports is a Mitchell Robinson report. Now, the crazy part is Vincent Goodwill, shout out to him from uh, Yahoo Sports, was writing an article to kind of understand, you know, center value. And in that, he kind of referenced Mitchell Robinson. And sources told him that if the Knicks were to trade him, they would look for multiple first-round picks. Now, the way I read that was that he's probably untouchable then because I can't think of any team in the league that would give up multiple first-round picks for Mitchell Robinson. But Robinson obviously didn't feel that way. He kind of took the route of saying, you know, whatever happens, happens. Maybe he didn't really like something I did, but, you know, I'm blessed, you know, things like that. Do you think it's, it means anything that sources basically said that the Knicks would move Robinson for multiple first-round picks? Well, I mean, the, in the modern NBA, uh, Mitchell doesn't fit as that center. Well, let me ask a question. I don't remember, <clears throat> has Mitchell had an interview yet? I haven't read many quotes from him during... I don't think, I don't think I've seen any media day stuff. I mean, this would have been him. like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday... So this is the fourth day. I mean, that's strange if he hasn't spoken. He must have, but I just don't remember any quotes from him. Right. Uh, listen, when Mitchell resigned, I was a little surprised. I thought, I think if Mitchell had a really strong offer elsewhere, he was gone, but he yeah. did not, surprisingly so. I think Detroit drafted that kid from Memphis, and Detroit was was very interested in Mitchell, but when they drafted Duran, Duran. Uh, from Memphis, they lost interest. So anyway, Mitchell resigns, but I didn't think either t either side was all thrilled uh, that the marriage continues, obviously the longest tenured Nick. So, uh, you know, I could see if Jericho really progresses, uh, you know, stock up a couple of first-round picks for Joel Embiid. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. If they're trying to trade Mitchell, they feel that maybe – there's an end beat in their future, and they just need a couple more first-round picks to get that deal done uh, in the future. I don't know what's going on with Philadelphia with Harden. Oof. I don't know what kind of deal that's going to be. So a lot of uncertainty in Philly. I think Mitchell's trade would be linked to a Joel Embiid blockbuster, bringing him back with Leon Rose, his former agent. Joel loves Leon. And you're bringing up the, the best point and probably one of the main questions I had for you probably the entire night, and a lot of fans really have it as well too. It's what star will the Knicks trade for? I mean, this is the, all I feel like all I hear is Joel Embiid, Donovan Mitchell. You know, maybe you hear some things about uh, Jerem Grant perhaps from Portland. You always have Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. You just have so many different stars that have been linked to the New York Knicks. But honestly, for me, the most realistic seems to be Donovan Mitchell, just because I feel like he has a little bit more control over his future. Joel Embiid, even though all the links and connections are there, Daryl Morey dealing with that division rival, I mean, I could go on in terms of why he wouldn't have to be traded here. He'd probably have to specifically say, like Damian Lillard said, I want to go to Miami. 
I want to go to the Knicks. What do you think with the with the New York Knicks? Are they going to land the star? And and if so, can you can you tell me when you think they will? Yeah, I mean, if they don't soon, Leon Rose is out. I mean, he's got to, uh, you know, he's he talked about when he came in all his relationships, and you know, Carl Anthony Towns has been another name, but. I'll be honest, I turned off him. When I saw the, him disappear in that final game of the playoffs, I, it was concerning. He's still young, though. But the one name you didn't mention is Zion. And yeah, you know, New Orleans is still not sold on Zion Williamson. Obviously, there's a risk there. All eyes on him on what kind of season. You know, I was told that, you know, the Knicks had checked in over the offseason about Zion. Uh, so... I mean, that could be a possibility. Listen, it's a mystery with Zion. It's all about his injury health and his weight, but he's spectacular. And God, putting Zion in New York, Adam Silver would be dancing and doing cartwheels. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, that's a possibility. But again, Donovan was very disappointed to lose to the Knicks the way he lost. His teammates did not step up. Robley did not step up. If Cleveland has a disappointing season and takes a step back, you never know. I mean, his, he still loves New York, and he would still love to be a Nick and was disappointed when that deal fell through. So, yeah, it could happen. Um, listen, it depends on another player, you know, making a trade demand. Lillard wasn't a fit, not with Jalen, so it didn't make right. sense. You know, once upon a time, the Knicks were interested, but that was before Jalen. Right. But he's got to get a superstar in here. Uh, that's why he was he was uh, hired because Dolan thought that he has great connections with all the stars in the league. And so far, you know, it really hasn't panned out. And uh, and and to be honest, I think the coaches are getting a little. They want an upgrade. I mean, they're running it back. I know Tom could talk all he wants. Listen, he was asked today about continuity. Right. And. I, I thought his answer was uh, interesting because, yeah, continuity, continuity is good, but getting better and adding a better player is better than that. <laughs> so he said, listen, last season was last season, this season is this season. So he didn't seem to embrace, oh, yeah, continuity, we're going to be great now. Uh, so, we'll, you know, Quentin Grimes is the guy that has to step up. I mean, he's, right. he's the one that has to get better. He's good. He's got to be very good. He's got to be that 3 and D, reliable three-point sniper that could hit the big shot with 40 seconds left uh, down one. And, you know, so far we haven't seen Quentin do that. Evan Fournier looks like a lost cause. Uh, Thibodeau is dead set against ever get, uh, you know, uh, resurrecting Evan Fournier. It's going to be interesting to see if they could deal with him. So um, before I ask the Leon Rose question, I just want to go back to Evan Fournier real quick. So do you think he doesn't play another minute as a New York Nick? I mean, Tom's got to ask him, like, in the garbage time moments, you know, do you want to come into the game? And I think Evan would. But Evan said some some nasty things over the summer. Yeah. Uh, he seemed disgruntled. He, he speaks even more critically in French. Uh, than English, but he was pretty strong in English. How he was wanted to, you know, kill somebody last year. You know, he he was really, really upset to be completely ignored. And you see it on the bench. I mean, he just doesn't seem into the game. So it's almost a cancer in the locker room. 
and the contract is difficult. And, you know, I'm hoping that Evan just becomes a good teammate. It's like, okay, I'm not playing. I'll be Udonis Haslam and root on my, my players. <laughs> uh, so this brings me to one of my final questions. Then, fans, I see you in the chat. We're going to get to every single one of you guys. If you do have a question, just go ahead and ask it, and I'll go ahead and uh, ask it to Mark as soon as I get to this one. But this final one, for me, is a little bit close to home. We've been speaking about Leon Rose for a while now. I'm a little tired of year after year after year of hearing the same thing. Because I feel like you could have taken what he said and applied it to this offseason, and it still would apply. Because it's not really changed. I know the vision is still the same. But I feel like as a president, if you're going to be a president of basketball operations, if the tenure you're leaving behind you is very patient, and risk averse, I don't know what type of legacy you want to leave behind. So in your opinion, just for Leon Rose, what do you think thus far of what he's done for the New York Knicks as a franchise? Well, believe it or not, I, you know, considering he had no experience at all, I think he's done uh, not a terrible job. It's just that he hasn't, I mean, it's been a few years already. So it's not, he's not, it's not new. And, uh, I think the patience, even at the trade deadline, I think he's very conservative. You know, he, he tells people, you know, I like the locker room. I don't want to make a move that's going to disrupt the locker room camaraderie. So it feels like the risk averse uh, nature of Leon uh, leads to a situation where the Knicks may be another first round knockout, not another, but a first round knockout this year. And it seems like they could be spinning their wheels. And I think it's time to really take a shot. They, Donovan Mitchell was a, home, uh, was a slam dunk. And the fact that he didn't get that job, that deal done, everything was going their way on that situation. Utah finally got tired of the Knicks' indecision with giving up enough draft picks, went to Utah, and Leon couldn't even get back into the game. Utah was like, we're dealing with Cleveland. You had months. Sorry, they didn't even return his calls. So that was a big failure, and that could have been a big difference maker. I know there's some fans who are glad that Donovan's not a Nick. I don't know how, but <laughs> they could have used him. I think Jalen and Donovan would have been spectacular together. Uh, so so uh, the overall grade right now is like a C plus. If, if you're asking me the grade of Leon Rose and his tenure. I thought... Wow considering he had no experience, I mean, it's not a terrible grade. I mean, right. but it could be better. And you know what, Mark, you know, the, the one reason that I love speaking with you is because no matter what, you always give it to me 100% straight. And I really, really appreciate that. I think that's why everybody loves to hear from you. I think it's why we miss you so much on the beat. You have to come back. Maybe a special guest appearance sometime. Let's go to the <laughs> locker room, talk to Julius Randle, you know? Maybe ask him a few questions. <laughs> yeah, that Julius. Uh, well, I will say that Julius does seem like he wants to get along with the media better this season. He realizes, you know, it's been contentious. Uh, so I think it will be a little softer. But I had a few bad moments with Julius. I would <laughs> prefer not to relive. But, uh, yeah, listen, I, I feel one of the problems with some beat writers is they don't want to be too honest because they don't want to hurt their sources. And I get yes. it. I mean, we're only as good as our sources and you have to be very careful uh, not to write something that's going to piss off or tick off one of the people who helps you off the record. But right now, you know, I, I don't have to worry about that as much. 
uh, <laughs> in semi-retirement. That's another reason why I love having you. There's no uh, no shackles on you this time. <laughs> you can go straight. Yeah. Um, one of the questions we have from uh, Jay from East New York, it says, can you expand on uh, Sam Rose and the OB sliding in the draft? Because I think we had a discussion earlier where um, if OB wasn't the selection, right? Because a lot of people thought it might have been Halliburton. I think you might have said at one point that if they didn't draft uh, OB, that it might have been Devin Vassell. Uh, could you expand a little bit more on that? So uh, with the OB Toppin situation in the draft? Yeah, I tweeted that after... Uh... And Vassal got his extension uh, with San Antonio. Listen, Leon loved Obi. He was a CAA guy. Uh, they thought he'd go five. Uh, there was no way they could. They thought they could pass on him when he dropped to eight. But if things went according to form and Obi wasn't there, Vassal, the shooter, uh, was was the guy. They, they didn't like being eight. I remember they, they thought that was a bad spot for them. Uh, and then at the time, you know, they thought Julius, they were going to trade Julius. Uh, they were disappointed in Julius. So Obi was the, the uh, listen, I'm not, when I tweeted it, I didn't mean it as a negative. They should have drafted Halliburton. That's where they blew it. Their scouts didn't think he'd be a, a, a star. Uh, they, they didn't like his body. Right. So they blew that. But the thing that stunk about that draft is the NCAA tournament was canceled. So maybe Obi would have been exposed more once Dayton got to the tournament and Obi was playing against much stiffer competition. Maybe the evaluations on Obi would have been less. But listen, he fell to eight. At the time, it was a good value pick. Who knew that Julius would become all NBA? Absolutely. I think you're 100% spot on. I think everybody knew that. Who could forget the uh, classic Leon Rose pitcher when they drafted him with his hands kind of up like that? Like really happy that they did. But, you know, given where we are right now, I mean, two second round picks in 2027 and 2029, I believe, like toward the end of the of 2030, basically. It's it's for everything that happened. I really wish things worked out differently, but obviously I hope Obi Toppin gets into a different situation for himself with the Indiana. Looks like he might be starting. I don't know if that's true. I yeah. mean, for training camp, it looks like he is, but we'll see if that goes into the season. Um, if you have any more questions, I think we have wait, one more from Pastor. For Pastor Claudio asks, um, what star would Thibs have his eye on that could uh, shake loose? Well, again, I mentioned that Drew was someone that is a Tibbs type player and he thought that the Knicks should have made some kind of offer at the time. Right. Uh, but you know, Embiid is, is fine. He, he thinks he's a, a dominating player up front. Uh, Donovan, he really wanted, I've written it. I talked about it on podcasts. You know, he loves Donovan Mitchell. He, he was kind of crushed that that deal fell through. Um, listen, <laughs> Jimmy's getting old, older, but, you know, I was at camp, uh, you know, the last couple of days with the heat and, you know, Jimmy hasn't declined yet, but who knows, you know, if the heat take a dip and, you know, it was unlikely that they went to the finals. I don't think they're going back and who knows, maybe they could be in the, uh, a play in team again and, you know, be eliminated early for Butler and Tibbs to reunite you know, toward the ends of, of Jimmy's career, if Miami decides that maybe it's time to to rebuild a little bit, you know, that would be fantastic. But, you know, I know Tom wants a big upgrade. And listen, Kevin Durant is 
seems to be solidified with Phoenix, but you never know with him. I don't know about Harden. I'll be honest. I think Harden is one of those players where he's a little bit uh, unpredictable. So I don't know if Tibbs thinks that the Knicks should really go real full bore after James. I don't think they are. I, I think they realize he's on the downside with some attitude problems, obviously. So, but Carl, Carl Anthony Towns, I'm not, also a little, I, it wasn't the greatest of experiences when they were together. Yeah. I think he would love Zach Levine, uh, even though they uh, he traded him. I think he would love Zach Levine. Listen, he wants an upgrade, uh, a, 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 a better players than they have now. He, he feels they need another superstars or all-star for them to be a real Eastern Conference title contender. And I guess the last questions that we have for you uh, here, Mark, is from uh, John. John says, are we going to give Quick an extension? What do you think? That's a great question, because if they don't give him an extension, they're going to probably, especially with all those guards, I would think they would try to trade him and maybe store up some more draft picks for the home run. I mean, I know when I was covering the team that that quickly was looking for big starters money. Right. And he's not a starter. And I don't know if they really think he's a starter. So if by late, uh, well, I don't know the exact date in late October, but there's got to be some give and take with these negotiations. I mean, quickly cannot be making major money as a bench player. So I, I think that the Knicks would love to lock him up, but if they don't, Trade deadline, you know, we might see Emmanuel on the move. Great points, like always, Mark. I mean, one of the big reasons I don't want to pay quickly is because I don't want to see basically him and Hart, which is going to be upwards to 160 plus million, more or less, on the bench in two players. I just can't justify that. Everybody keeps telling me the cap is going up. I can understand that, but I think that's still a lot of money that tie into two players coming off of your bench, especially if you're looking to upgrade and get that other piece. You're going to have to move players anyway, so... Uh, yeah. Some of these stars and young guys that we have, I mean, I think they're going to go. A lot of Knicks fans don't want to part with a lot of them because I think they love our draft picks. But at the end of the day, in order to upgrade like Tom Thibodeau wants, you're going to have to sacrifice the play. And I think the New York Knicks are, are definitely willing to do that. If they will, I don't know. But, Mark, I don't want to keep you too long. You answered so many well, questions. Well, one point about quickly. Oh, yeah, uh, go ahead, please. You know, against Miami, for sure, he did not step up. Oh, I mean, yeah. if Emmanuel had a better series... You know, maybe the Knicks squeak by. He, he did not have a good series against Miami, for sure. Absolutely not. And I think when he was going into the postseason, we all thought he was a $100, $100 million man. I think we all kind of figured that out. And then the playoffs happened, and unfortunately, you have to reduce the value. For me, I think his ceiling is at $80 million. That's what I would give it to him at. I don't think I would give him more than that just as of right now. If they could work that deal out, I think it would be a steal for Emmanuel quickly, but... I don't think, I don't know if they will. Um, I think they might just ride it out to see what happens and then match the offer sheet next season. It seems like that's the route they're going for because they always wanted to attach quickly to another player to get a star piece. And I still think that's their end goal at the end of the day. Right. And we'll see what kind of season Emmanuel has yeah. and, and how Dante fits in. Because again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of wings there. So right. there's a glut. There's too many wings and not enough power forwards. Absolutely. But don't worry. Don't worry, Mark. We got Josh Hart playing the four, uh, six, five. He's going to be great. 
going to go great against those 6'10 defenders. Tom Thibodeau says he can play any position to defend them. So we're going to be fine, Mark. <laughs> we'll see how they rebound. Yeah, yeah. listen, Dante's a good rebounder, though, too. So, yeah. it's you know, Tom's a big guy, you know, rebounding. You know, his big thing is always rebounding wins championships. It's not as big a, a statement anymore. Tom knows that the three-pointer now wins championships, but he's – he cares about rebounding a lot, and we'll see what kind of rebounding team the Knicks are uh, with the size issue uh, going forward. Absolutely. I hope that they are one of the better ones. Last year they were. That's how they got to the playoffs in the first place, so I think they're going to have to repeat that again with a little bit, hopefully, more offensive firepower to help that run. Hopefully they can do that, but Mark, again, you're giving us so much time. Really appreciate you. Again, I don't say it enough. I have to say it again. Legend legendary i'm speaking to a legend right now new york host mark berman 23 years covering the knicks and you know what he could come back today and probably every single person on knicks twitter would throw a party they miss you mark they miss you i, <laughs> I tell you they that, miss you. But yeah i appreciate the kind words it's very nice to say and uh listen the knicks fans are so amazing and they they read everything, and yeah. it, it's the best fan base there is. And, uh, you know, all the podcasts. I mean, there's more Knicks, uh, there was more podcasts for the Knicks than any other team uh, out there. Absolutely. And yours, yours is one of the best. Oh, that means a lot. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate that. Obviously, you know we're going to have him on again absolutely sometime either during the season or all-star break, something like that. We'll get in touch with Mark again. It's not going to be the last time, but I am so happy to have one of the best co-hosts for my first live in Mark Berman. Stay tuned, guys, because we're going to get back to more questions as soon as I get off of this. But we want to let Mark go for right now because he's giving us so much time. Mark, again, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thanks so much, Troy. I really enjoyed it. And good luck, uh, and I hope we will have a pretty good season. <laughs> hope so, Mark. Take care, all right? I'll see you, buddy.